Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Our episode today is a conversation with Brian Jaster. Brian has been on the podcast many times. He's the director of faith formation here at Bethany Lutheran Church. And Brian is really, really great at understanding his sense of call to this particular work. He describes in our conversation how he kind of came to this point of figuring out that his calling is to live and love like Jesus and to help other people do that as well. And so in our conversation that you'll hear in just a moment, we do a lot of exploring of that process and of this particular statement that he tries to uh, structure his life around. It's an awesome conversation. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Um, And this is, of course, just a part of our continued staff stories series where we're talking with different members of the Bethany staff about their life of faith, about their uh, work here at Bethany, about their interests as well. I really hope you enjoy it. As always, thank you so much for listening. Um, Please feel free to share these episodes on your social media channels or to just let other people know that there's this great podcast out there that can be a really good way to stay connected to your faith on the days in between Sundays. But now, a conversation with Brian Jaster. Hey, everybody. We are continuing with this Staff Stories series, and I have an old friend of the podcast, one of the original, the OG guests of the show, Brian Jaster. Say hi, Brian. Hi. Brian is the director of Faith Formation here at Bethany Lutheran Church, and uh, many of you who listen might just be like, "What? but yeah, but what does that mean? Like, I just see Brian on Sunday mornings getting up and doing really funny, you know, commercials for upcoming events and talking really, really quickly sometimes. Funny is one word and quickly is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to try and keep it slow for the podcast. Slow. Uh, Brian, but like that's kind of where I wanted to start with you today, Brian, is just for you to give us, a, give everyone a chance to understand all of the interesting things that you get to do with your job here. But also, I mean, and also like sincerely, the really intentional way you approach your work. Because you mm. do some things that I've never seen before from youth directors, and I mean that in a really good way. Like, mm. you really um, give a lot of time to relationships, I've noticed, mm-hmm. and that that's a primary piece of the way that you approach this ministry. So anyways, I, I've said a lot. Let's hear a little bit from you. Like, yeah, what do you, what do, you do all day, Brian? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, so, I'm glad to be on the podcast, and I think I want to start with um, that... Uh, quite a few years ago, I was able to come up with a, a few words, a few specific words that I've held on to for quite a few years now that kind of capture what my whole life's mission is about, or at least I, what I hope it's about. And these are the words that I hope inform my like daily stuff, like what I do and why, and how I approach what it means to be part of a church community or to work on staff. Um, or did how do why do I interact with a neighbor a certain way who needs help with a car or lawn or just wants to say hi, and because these words come from a lot of different things, but for me, my mission in life is to to live and to love like Jesus. Now that may sound corny or cheesy to you listening for the first time hearing it, but that has come from a lot of people, a lot of teenagers, a lot of mentors, a lot of friends. Uh, a lot of people who spent a lot of time intentionally knowing my story in life. And that's the words yeah. that I have come up with. Um, and so that, I think, shapes my time and what I do, things I care about and invest in. Um, because the truth is, I think at some point, 
it started from the beginning coming from like, what the heck is church for? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. why does this whole thing exist as a name, as a movement of people? You know, when we think about people who go from an age of zero to 105, like, what's the whole point in life? Like, what is God trying to do with God's people for the last hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years? And the goal is to replicate the way that's Jesus' way. So the go- God's goal, mm-hmm. God's dream for us is that we live and love like Jesus, who gave us the very face and hands and feet and life and tears that is God's way. I really like that, too, because it just that phrasing itself encourages you um, to also just inherently study Jesus's way more. Right? Yeah. Like you got to kind of dive into it. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. living my life, Jesus, great. So then what does that look like? Okay, well, yeah. there's these collection of stories that we yeah. can turn to, and there's this entire history of church that's thousands of years old that we can also look to of how people have done it in the past. And I just think that that's really valuable. But, but before we even get into that, I mean, can you tell us a little bit? First off, like for the listeners, it is such a powerful practice to really spend a lot of time kind of trying to define a life's mission like this. Yeah, and it took some time, and it wasn't a yeah, linear tell- thing, but it definitely had some specific things and some people. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear about that. Like, tell us just a little bit about how the process, how that how that phrase came about. Yeah, well, for me, I think it really it came out of a group of people who, um, I was a part of this thing called a huddle, which is a small group of people led by, a, and this one was led by a pastor whose name is Brian Spar, and he lives in Indiana, and it was a group of people all around the, the nation Getting together to run a football play. Yeah, yeah. Not that kind of huddle? Not that kind of huddle, no. darn, okay. It was a huddle specifically about the word that we call discipleship, which is our fancy Mm. word for those who want to follow and live this way, this is Jesus' way. And it's absolutely an art and a stumbling and a bumbling and a thing. But what we did all the time in that huddle was we always talked about moments that are kairos moments. Mm. Kairos meaning time where you have stumbled on something, tripped on it, you've done a face plant, or you've ran into a brick wall, or you felt lit up and alive in ways you've never done before. Something that happens in life that gets your attention like that. And every time we did that, we would, we would go through this thing we call the learning circle. And the learning circle goes around a circular shape. On the first half of the circle, you turn and you face and you listen to God. You do that together. And then you hopefully, as you go through that journey, you hear something of God's grace. It's for you, about your own self, or who Jesus is for you. And then you come with a plan in response. So that's a lot of time. And for me, there was a Kairos <laughs> moment that happened where I had this like, crisis of identity mm. and crisis of who I am in this people called the church. And that's what, that's what the Kairos moment was. Who the heck am I and who am I in this people? Yeah. And the, the long, months-long, years-long journey of listening to God in the first listening on the first half of the circle and responding to the second half came up with this phrase that my call... My, that I make plans for, that I come up with tools for, that I live through, is my response to God's grace is I get to live and love like Jesus. So the word of God that I heard was that I have called you by name. And that might sound cheesy to you, podcast listener, but that was absolutely the thing for me. I felt worthless and empty and all these things. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my part in this whole big church body of Christ thing was going to be. And to, to, to hear Jesus say, I have, Brian, I have called you by name was huge. Mm-hmm. And so for me to live in response to that, to live on like Jesus is 
a huge deal. So right, so that flows directly for me into what I've been doing with teenagers for a long, long time. The first huge thing I want them to know in their depths of their soul, in all of their being, in their core of their identity, is I want them to know that they have been chosen and called by God. And they, that's that, that that yeah. So go ahead. Exactly. Well, I mean, and that's I we know that that's so core for yeah. so many people, not just teenagers. But no, no, I feel no, no, like, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, teenagers and young adults in, in general, that tends to be a time of life when you might come to these identity crisis yeah, moments, right? right? Like right. As, as big things shift, as you move out of the house for the first time, as you get your first job for the first time, as you try and live yep. as an adult, a lot of that can be really um, unsettling. Yeah, because there's just all sorts of support systems that are no longer there. You have to figure it out on your own. But what I, I want to go back to your, I, I just think this is hilarious. So you were in a huddle. Yeah, yeah. And then within that huddle... You talked about Kairos moments, which yes. are these like kind of like turning moments. Yeah. And then when you f- when you have a Kairos moment, you have to then have a learning circle. So this is some like Inception stuff of like the yeah. circle within the circle uh-huh, within uh-huh. the circle. Yeah, yeah. And yet out of all of that, yes. right? Like that that sounds very chaotic. It, uh, well, and it is at first, <laughs> but the beautiful thing about about it is that there's so much beautiful clarity mm. about that kind of a intentional leadership growth, intentional, like, how do we follow Jesus as people with the kind of people that you really get to know as friends and as people who know your scars and your story and your delights. And so they're able to help you reflect and to, you know, be mirrors back to you of what you're already saying. Like, there's a lot of journey in there. And that that's yeah. the thing that, like, was amazing because I think sometimes in our fast-paced world or in a busy world, say that, yeah. the amount of time and the amount of intention and the amount of care we don't always get to have. And so with those six or seven people, for, for you know, we're doing this for months, right? There are a lot of things we did. But for me, like as I step back from those months, like what was the one, one thing? Yeah. I have this genuine few words that somehow I know in my whole mind and body and spirit and, and all that, that this is my, like, what, what my identity is, how it's lived out. Yeah. My response to it of God's great, beautiful, wondrous grace is to live and to love like Jesus. And I like, I mean... There is something, you know, I'm joking that it sounds Inception-like because it's a, yeah, yeah, right. a, a, a circle mm-hmm. within a Kairos moment within a huddle, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. a circle within a circle within yeah. a circle. But that also is instructive of just how deep identity work, understanding your calling is not a linear process. Oh, Even I though we no. want it to be. Yeah, yeah, no. We totally want it to be. But like you said, like it... It just has to be slow and it has to mm-hmm. be relational with other people kind of helping and pointing out and encouraging you to like, all right, don't move on too quickly, right? Like we still, we're still in the circle. Like you don't get to go to, to the next space just yet. We still have to kind of walk our way around this circle before we can get out of the loop, right? so to speak. But it, but it's helped me to be intentional. So like my job, mm. my work is as a director of faith formation is there's a few things that I do all the time. Yeah. So for example, when I meet someone, it's really important and I try very hard to know someone's name. Because the things that are loved get named. Hmm. God mm-hmm. loves and God, God loves God's people and God names God's people. Families name God's people. So that's really key. Like seriously, like big picture, to live and love like Jesus as a director of faith mission youth ministry, the first is I want to know people's name. And the second thing is I, to tell their story is ask them what they love. Yes. And, and they'll get a whole wide variety of responses. Like we got, you know, these little girls who are small on Sundays who hold up their puppies. I love our little stuffed puppies, right? You got, you know, maybe a senior in high school loves his job because it doesn't do any of his job and is just sitting around, you know, making smoothies or whatever and just wasting time and laughing with friends, right? Like, but the, the truth is, like, what I'm listening for is I'm listening for 
the actual way of Jesus that just shows up in everybody's story. Mm. And I'm listening for that. Mm. And if I ask what people love, usually they can talk about something they love, but it's also a weird enough question because people don't get that every day, I don't think. Evidently, there's their first response. But to ask what they love is, is a first step into just really getting to know what God loves about them, getting to know what they love about God and about their own part in the world. And it does help, as you said, there's vocation. Like Vocation is like the things that we do that we love for the good of the world. Mm-hmm. Right, and there's lots of little vocations we all do, and so to kind of start playing with those, naming those, because the truth is, when it comes to teenagers especially, you have to be a little bit nimble, playful, adaptable, creative, and know that they're not linear because their brains are wiring and firing and figuring out identity and belonging and purpose all the time, and you've got to kind of like play with that and walk alongside in a way that deals with the chaoticness of that, and yet also kind of like points to some things. I get to point to some things in their story as we reflect and talk, and I say, hey, tell me more about that. I don't want to hear more about this thing, and. And, um, but that's just kind of like the big picture of what I get to do all the time. Even there's a lot of specifics, but like, you know, if I've got like 10 minutes of free time at dinner time on a Wednesday or five minutes with somebody on a Sunday morning or a phone call or whatever on a big picture, that's what I'm listening for. I, yeah. I'm listening for what they love and I'm listening for those sparks of vocation because that's, God has already, has already been creating and to help them to name that for their own life and story in their identity, in who and the people and who they belong to and what their vocations and their purpose and their calls in the world. That's like in a big picture of what I, I think I try to do with everything, whether it's with young adults or teenagers, or with kids, or with families, um, is to be part of that. And, and that's not like a dictating thing. It's a discovering thing. It's a curiosity thing. I like to be curious about people's story and be curious with them um, because God is a curious God. God is a God of creativity. God is a God of resurrection, which is sneaky and quick and in the moment and yet the resurrection is also a long slow journey um so that's the kind of the big yeah. stepping back of what i think i do and why um and maybe you know your average 11 year old wouldn't care about it or know about that but i hope that um that makes a difference in people also living in jesus way yeah well i want to explore this a little bit more because you said some some really interesting things about how right what we um things that are named are things that are loved are named yeah, and you're you're inherently trying to just help individuals do that as well for them to name what they love. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Like, and and so, and, and that's where this whole identity piece can kind of come from. This this sense of purpose too. Yeah, you, you, right. Like that's what I hear you saying when you talk about vocation. Our vocation is very so. much, you know, like mm-hmm. what what God has called out of us. Yep. Um, and, and what you know, what God has uniquely authored within our being mm-hmm. that is being called out for the sake of the world. And so, yeah, yeah. even for yeah, uh, the the five year old who loves their puppy to affirm that in them, right? Like, and say, okay, that's great, that's yep. awesome. Yep. Um, and, and to be interested and energized and excited, <laughs> that <laughs> affirmation for right. them too, like, kind of helps them know, like, okay, this is good. Like, this is this is a part of who I am, and Brian sees that that's a part of who I am, and that's that's okay. Like, this is an okay part of things. Yeah, uh, and, and it's a stretch for me too because like there are certain things that people talk about that they love that I have so little of a connection to. Like for example, somebody that, you, that we both know super well is really into drones and drone soccer as an example. And I love this human being. He's the best. And I, But I had no – I mean I literally just couldn't even visualize what drone <laughs> soccer was about. I really couldn't. Yeah. And I felt so unequipped. So I got to go and see drone soccer, right, one of the things I get to do. And it was absolutely a whole other world, right? But that's kind of fascinating because the truth is God is fully connected to all the worlds and things and stories and things we love and we not be, might, might not get to be. But for me, seeing that was seeing part of God's creative work in some unusual way in a way I'd never experienced. And But my first gut reaction to that was like, 
what in the heck is drone soccer? Yeah. Like, why would you do this? What? What? Who? Where? How do you? Right? But eventually, I also get to exp- to love the thing the person loved, which that's, again, for faith for me, is something that's being pulled out of me. It's not something that's natural. So to love drone soccer as this you know senior in high school loves is an experience in what God loves, too. And that's a strange part about, for me, like, you know, we're talking about the stuffed puppies, or, you know, or um, the kid that draws a picture of their invisible unicorn on a Sunday, you know, or the, you know, the teenager who's talking about a, a crush that they have, and I've never met the crush, maybe never will, and I just have to kind of go along with the story. Uh-huh. Um, but that's what I love. I mean, I, you know, I love living, 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 Jesus. and I, the second part is I tried to say is, my favorite part of my job is I love people's stories. Yeah. I love the stories they tell, the stories about their future p- possible selves, the stories about things they've done in the past, the failures they've made. I really love that stuff. Um, so. Well, help me connect this to yeah. your mission is to live in love like Jesus. Yep. Where, help us see the, the similarities between this, you know, this work of just like showing up that you always do, mm-hmm. right? Like of going to see drone shop, soccer, of learning to love the, the stuff that other people love. Mm-hmm. How do you see that fitting into your overall mission of living and loving like Jesus? Like, where do you see that in Jesus? Um, well, I mean, again, I guess if we can start with Jesus' stories, um, I am certain that the people that Jesus interacted with, he didn't actually fully know all of them already. He didn't know their own story and stuff. So when someone tugged on the hem of his garment or called out his name in the crowd, he had to get to know them too. He had the encounter of people where he had a, you know, we talked a lot, often those gospel stories. Jesus had, was going to the next town. He had a clear path forward. But the interruption was where the ministry happened. Right. It, yeah. was, the, it was the meanwhile. It was the long side. It was, the, it was all those things where, where the beautiful na- nature of the kingdom of God happened. And Jesus just rolled with that. He could have said, nope, don't have time for that. I got to get to Galilee because da 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 whatever. I got a mission. My disciples know about it. And it was all these interruptions that we see over and over again. You know, someone, again, pulling the hem of his garment or calling on his name or a, a guy whose daughter was lying on a bed dying and he had to go visit right so yes like my ministry absolutely is planned we have calendars we have you know like intern reader and i get together to talk about you know we've got 55 minutes to work with middle schoolers on wednesday night like we plan to like the nearest 30 seconds for everything right but the truth is usually the beauty of it usually the amazement of it usually something powerful that they'll remember for life is going to be something to us feels like an interruption or unexpected. Yeah. And it doesn't mean we don't plan. It doesn't mean we don't think critically about how do we do better things for the lives of our youth in the world, you know, which we do. But the truth is that the powerful nature of living alone at Jesus is that it means we are not in control of our own story and other people are not as well. God is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one who is pulling us forward, is breathing life over and over again in the world. I mean, I don't know a lot about Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed, but there's an ex- explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed. We talk about we believe in the, the, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. And then when we talk about that, it talks about, I cannot by my own power of understanding know, know Christ Jesus my Lord, except that this Lord is my living Lord and Savior. But the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, and enlightens me and the whole church. Right. So that work of the Holy Spirit is is that whisper, that breath of the living Jesus for us now. And so, again, if we think about people from 0 to 99, which I have to think about in the role that I play, like I have to think about what are the markers, what are the things, what are the milestones, what are those events that might happen, and know that as we plan those, it's going to be those unexpected, weird, powerful things that happen that's going to be the game changer. Yeah. 
It's going to take us from death to life again. It's going to be a thing that breathes a future for this Christian church in America, which we all know, listeners, has come to some difficult times. There's a lot of stuff we've got to, like, burn, get rid of, toss to the side um, for the sake of the future of this good thing we call the gospel. Um, well, and I love your explanation. Thanks for bringing in a little Martin Luther, right? Reformation Day try. coming I tried. up. Got most good. It, but... No, no, that was better than I could do. Um, and that's his explanation of the third article of the Creed, like yep. you said. But that's, I think that's exactly what you've been doing, what you described for us, is that like you are compelled by the things that other people love. And right, like yep. if, if there's something in your life that you are compelled to just love and throw your heart and soul into, that is the work of the Holy Spirit active in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're connecting with, right? Like you're following the leading of the Spirit. It's like, okay, like you love drone soccer? Trying. Cool. Like let me, you know, I want to mm-hmm. see how the Spirit is working in your life that, that you right? like what it is about all this that just lights you up. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, I'm sure it gets really interesting, like, because there's probably some things that people love that you don't. Yep. Right? Like, I've got this friend who loves black licorice, and I hate it. And I don't understand it. <laughs> Brian's the one who loves black licorice. <laughs> um, but that's the spirit active yeah. in your life, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but, I mean, help us understand, too. Like, I, I guess maybe within all this, right, you're painting in broad strokes. But kind of yeah. specifically, as you look at the next year of ministry um here in this position at bethany like what are, yep. what are you most excited about what what leading of the spirit has you most energized and excited yeah 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 um i mean a, co- a couple of things that just have energized me in general i'll start there and we'll go to other things is, is certainly right now i'm still meeting a lot of new people every sunday there's sure. still people that said hey you know i think we met you in november of 2019 but, and we're back in worship right now. We're so glad to be here. I'm like, great, wonderful. And I, I, I'll maybe remember that at most because that's almost three years ago now. And the, the, the eighth grader was, you know, a foot shorter than, et cetera. <laughs> right. um, but so I really, that truly is something that for me, so I'm a connector. So what mm-hmm. that means is when I meet someone and I meet a family, I mean an eighth grader or whatever, and I meet, hear their story, my mind immediately goes to, since we are the body of Christ and we need each other, who does that person need to know in order to become a disciple in a deeper way mm. or to grow in some way. And I think about that all the time. Like, you know, I'm always excited for, we finally got, we got to do mentoring for Lent with middle schoolers mm-hmm. last year um, and seeing the delight of the six, seventh graders and these adults as they gathered four or five or six times to just build that relationship. My goal at that time, right, right was what's this relationship going to do to the story and to the faith journey of these people for both the adults and the youth in a powerful way? How's it going to help them to live on like Jesus? I got a lot of details now. They had a cool devotional that some cool pastor made. You know, all this great stuff that happened. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, But that was the goal. It's like, how is it going to help them, right? And they may not have known that week from week to week, but on, on the, goal, the goal for long term is that. So, like, you know, we've got a pub theology young adult group. They've asked for mentoring, thing like that. And they're very, very excited about that. Okay, if we set that up, which is a goal for this year, what's that going to do? For these young adults who are still in their own journeys, kind of like, trying to pull some puzzle pieces together to, to, to make their puzzle or to paint their picture, having a lot of questions and doubts in, in their own unique identity and belonging and purpose moment. Like, that's the thing I'm excited about. I'm excited about, um, we've, a year ago, we started doing what we've been doing on Wednesday nights. And I'm very excited not only to see the number of, you know, middle school students that are back and to see kind of like our year of the Bible, what happens to that, the things they learn, the stories they tell, the stories they write, because we want them to write their own stories of the Bible. I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, I'm excited to see for, you know, for our high school ministries, kind of like how they 
truly continue to hone in on the, 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 what we do with the time we have on Wednesdays and the kind of the, the identity pieces that go with that, the values that we put into the time, and the kind of the people we can gather and to see where that goes. Yeah. Um, we've also had a, a great worship time that we've taken a step forward for on Wednesdays. It, it's, it's, word, word, it's a song, it means song of praise in Hebrew, it's the word tehillah, and tehillah, that worship praise time. Just for 20 minutes on Wednesdays has been very quality, but I'm thankful for that time because it, it, it does, in a small way, what we're trying to do in Big Picture too, which is to care for people's mental health and well-being and having those conversations. The little things we do in that time just names the fact that it's really okay to not be okay. And that when we talk about being not okay or, or, or whatever we bring to those spaces, that actually is a healing thing. Mm. That actually is a life-giving thing because we actually think that when we build authentic connection between people, and find authentic hope, that actually makes a difference in people's mental health. When there's depression and when there's all yeah. that's going on that we know, we want to make some small differences to that. So I'm excited about the ways we've been thinking behind the scenes to do that and little ways that we can move forward on that. And we haven't figured them all out, we know that. But those are a few of the things I'm excited about. I love that I asked you what you're excited about. And in typical Brian Jester style, you're excited about everything. <laughs> well, most things, yes. Yes. And, yeah, but, and again, my bent is, and it truly is, and I, I hope you, listeners, you hear this as an authentic thing, like, theologically, probably my word is hope. Yeah. And I do not believe that's wishful thinking. I do not believe that's like lemons and lemonade and rose-colored lenses. Hope is the reality that God dares to enter into suffering, and we go there too. And we don't give up in suffering or think death's going to destroy us, it's going to be the end of all ends, even though suffering sucks that much is that God will pull us in and through suffering. We will learn through suffering. We will be connected through suffering. We will experience resurrection through that suffering. That's what hope is about. And hope allows us to look towards the future in the middle of all that and not give up. I think that's a huge deal because there's not a lot of hope, again, in the American Christian Church. We're part of the ELCA. Sometimes hope does not quite yeah. be the thing that we carry. And for whatever reason, for all the people, thank you all people, that's been the thing that, that still sticks in me um, now. And so... When I read this morning that... Um, hope is most possible in hopeless situations, oh, right? Like yeah. that you kind of need to be, if you're going to be actually right. looking towards the future with hope, things kind of have to be bad in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's true too. I mean, um, but I think that's, you know, that, that shapes kind of like the perspective I play on things. Uh, and, and when I listen to people, I, I can't help but listen for what hope is doing yeah. in their own story or help them to name the hope that they have for a living, and again, I don't want to do that in a way that's cheesy or doesn't honor their story or doesn't listen, yeah. but it's just happening. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about them. I mean, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just kind of what I do, I think, on some level, um, is to think about what hope, if, if we do this activity, what hope does that bring us? Yeah. What does that do that bring takes us through suffering and into the story of suffering and into new light and new life? Um, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, we had even, we, I think about last year, we had some prayer stations set up and I, and I asked when I looked at like the 15 or 16, I'm like, why have I chosen these? And what are they doing in the, in the time with these middle schoolers are dealing with? And I, and that was actually the word that came up. It's like, wow, he's actually, the goal of these is actually to find authentic hope, um, which happening. I didn't know. I didn't actually yeah. know that when I was setting it up and thinking about all the details and things and all the supplies and all that, but. But that's what the spirit brought together. That's yeah, really it is. cool. It is. That's really cool. And I mean, I just think about your overall mission. You're right, like to live in love like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And and I assume like inherent within that is to also help other people live in love like Jesus. It it is. And what a, what a hopeful yeah. endeavor that is because that that's so hard to do. 
Yeah, in this world today, that is not... That is hard to do. That is not the linear path no. that people walk on. When, when we think about the goal of like people's time in high school, a public high school, your four years, that may not be the goal that you know the counselors would write down on a piece of paper or no, the big no, picture no. goal of the school, right? They've got great goals, right? But that may not be it. It may be hard to talk about for people. Um, and that's why you have to be a bit nimble. I have to do a lot of translation. You know, mm. when we read the Bible, we talk a lot about that. The truth is we're always translating and interpreting. And I have to do a lot of that, too, for people, like in translate, give them their own words and help them find a story. Yeah. And that is not a linear thing or an easy thing, because an 11-year-old who's this is going to do that way differently than a 16-year-old who's that. Um, and so that's a lot of just kind of what happens along the way, is translating God's story and their story in a way that makes sense, in a way that they discover on their own, and yet kind of we're led to together. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, on a big picture, like that's that's the hope is that they find their self in God's story, and in doing so, they know that they're called to live and love like Jesus, which with the whole Christian church, that's always happened. The truth is, this is not brand new. I swear that in the fourth century, the seventh century, this was still like really the vision. Absolutely. Um, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, I hope it is. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, and that, that the church has been through difficult times before. But mm-hmm. Brian, um, you are. What the listeners need to know, what the, what I want to be able to have the opportunity to say is like, you are so good at what you do, and there's so much, as you can tell just by listening to Brian talk, there's so much going on in his head at all times, and so it, <laughs> it can seem like Brian, right, like that. Oh, he just has the fun job uh, with the kids, well, and and it is, it it's is super fun, fun I'm yep. sure, mm-hmm. but also that Brian has so many, like, has so much research in his head has so much brain chemistry and like, you know, the yeah. development of the human, like all of that influences your yeah. ministry. Yeah. And it is just such a unique approach to this vital and important work for the future of our church. And yeah, and you help me live in love like Jesus every day, just yeah. with your overall um, vibrant demeanor and energy and excitement that you bring to the day. So uh, it's it's the best to work with you, man. And I appreciate you a lot. And I know the people of Bethany appreciate you a lot. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, just your joy and your passion with us here and on the podcast as well. Yep. Thanks to your listeners. Um, Thanks for listening to me. Live and love like Jesus and stay in peace. Stay in peace.